Welcome to Extraterrestrial Reality. Uh, today I want to talk about just uh, different cases of UFO sightings and encounters with uh, apparent extraterrestrial creatures uh, that were listed in a book that was uh, published uh, in the late 1960s uh, and written by uh, Jacques Vallée, uh, the famous uh, French u ufologist um, and UFO investigator. Uh, and uh, in the back of that book, uh, he has an appendix and he has a, a listing of all different kinds of cases uh, from 1868 all the way to 1968. And uh, I just want to go through some of these cases and talk about them uh, a little bit uh, and point out and just, I mean, when you look at this like in totality, when you look at all the, the, the number of cases of, of people encountering craft that most certainly was... Uh, some things that are not constructed by human beings they they exceed any kind of technology that we have uh and this is going back all the way to the 1800s here we're talking about and uh all the way up until 1968 which by the way happens to be the year that i was born um <clears throat> but anyway i just want to point go through these and you have to ask yourself are all these if there's nothing to this does that mean all of these people are mistaken or lying or hoaxers i mean it just it, it becomes impossible when you start looking at it like uh for, with uh from outside of the box and, and realizing well there's just no way that all these people could be making this up right it just be, it becomes absurd to even uh, consider that uh but anyway let's uh, go through some of these cases here uh, I'm going to start right from the beginning here. On July 1868 in Chile, uh, there was a strange aerial construction bearing lights and making engine noises that flew over this town. It was a town called Copiago in Chile. Local people also described it as a giant bird covered with large scales producing a metallic noise. Although not an actual, although not an actual landing, this is the first instance of close observation of an unknown object at low altitude in the 19th century. So apparently all these people in this town in Chile saw some strange object. They, as far as their thinking was, uh, could bring them, the, it brought them to the idea it must be some giant metallic bird. I mean, they, at this time, I am certain that they weren't thinking about visitors from other worlds at that point. Uh, here's one from December 7th, 1872 in Banbury, Great Britain. At King Sutton, an object resembling a haystack flew on an irregular course, sometimes high, sometimes very low. It was accompanied by fire and dense smoke. It produced the same effect as a tornado, felling trees and walls. It suddenly vanished. Now, it doesn't say how many witnesses there were to this, but obviously it was something that uh, Valet thought was uh, something that he should include in here in his uh, research. And it's just another case. I mean, again, like I, I talk about certain UFO YouTube channels, like, uh, for instance, Preston Dennett. Uh, he he does a lot of research, investigates a lot of different cases. He puts out a, a great number of books, at least 50 books he has published at this point. And he does a, a YouTube show every Friday night uh, where he talks about multiple uh, multiple different uh, instances of uh, UFO encounters or U encounters that people have had uh, throughout the decades with uh, alien creatures. And, and when you when you when they're listed like that, when they, when they're being delivered to you in in this rapid fire uh, manner, it's it just becomes how could this this is real? I mean, and people need to know that people don't understand just how many cases there are out there. But when you put it when you look at them and you start hearing them one by one by one after another after another after another, you, you realize that, that all these people can't be lying. They can't all be mistaken. They all can't be playing some kind of a prank, right? It's just impossible. 
And the same thing goes with other UFO channels like UFOB and Eyes on Cinema, which are two channels that basically keep pumping out these old clips from old documentaries where people are talking about their encounters. And when you just watch them back to back to back to back to back like that, you realize, wow, there's just so so many different instances of this. And still, we're, we're, we're all walking around. A lot of us are, not all of us, but a lot of us are walking around pretending there's nothing to this. Anyway, continuing here uh, with Valet's appendix from Passport to Magonia. Uh, here's one from uh, 1877. Uh, Aldershot, Great Britain. A strange being dressed in tight-fitting clothes and shining helmets soared over the heads of two sentries who fired without result. The apparition stunned them with something described as blue fire. Wow. Now, so what is that? Is that one an early case of uh, maybe some people getting... Uh, uh, getting stunned, getting uh, frozen in place, paralyzed by uh, extraterrestrial visitors? It could be. I don't know. Or, or are these guys making it up? You have to ask yourself this question with every single one. Are they lying? Okay, uh, from May 15th, 1879, Persian Gulf. Two very large wheels were seen spinning in the air and slowly coming to the surface of the sea. The estimated diameter, 40 meters. The distance between the objects was 150 meters. The speed was 80 kilometers per hour duration 35 minutes witnesses aboard the ship the witnesses were from aboard this ship called the vulture so uh they basically were what they're describing here is wheels flying wheels well flying saucers obviously that's what they were seeing and uh, uh and they saw it for over a 35 minute period of time what did they make it up are they are they lying Okay, uh, from 1880 in eastern Venezuela, a 14-year-old boy saw a luminous ball descending from the sky and hovering near him. He felt somehow drawn to it, but succeeded in backing away in spite of his terror. Was he lying? Was that just a story he told his parents because he was late for supper or something, or did he really see a glowing ball come down? Uh, from March 26, 1880, in Lamy, New Mexico, four men walking near Galisteo Junction were surprised as they heard voices coming from a strange balloon which flew over them. It was shaped like a fish and seemed to be guided by a large fan-like device. There were eight to ten figures aboard. Their language was not understood. The object flew low over Galisteo Junction and rose rapidly toward the east. So here, we, so now you have four guys talking about seeing a strange balloon in 1880 and, and ha with occupants, uh, eight to ten figures on board, and they were speaking in a language that they didn't understand. Were, were they enemies from some foreign country, maybe, that they had some technology back in 1880 that we here in America didn't develop yet? I don't think so. Or were these four guys all drunk and had to share the same hallucination? I don't think so. Were they all, uh, was it all a hoax? They just made it up. They just pulled this one out of their hat and just said, hey, let's go tell everybody this. I guess you have to make up your own mind with this. But uh, as, you, as you go through this, you understand how uh, all of these people can't be lying, right? They can't be making this up. They all can't be uh, having hallucinations. It's That's because there's something here. There's something among us. It's been among us for many, many, many decades and many, many for who knows how many centuries. Now, actually, before I continue here, I actually heard Richard Dolan talking recently. Uh, and he was saying he doesn't believe that a lot of things were happening uh, in previous centuries, like 1947 is when it really started, according to him. And actually, there was in the late 1800s, uh, you know, it seemed like there was some sort of a, 
an, an increase in, in, in sightings. And, and there really isn't that much evidence really for in the long past, like in the 1400s, 1500s, 1600s. It doesn't seem like there's that much evidence out there that things really, really picked up in 1947 and in the, in the mid to late 40s. And I, 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 I most certainly agree with that. But uh, it does show by some of these reports here that something was still going on long before 1947, uh, before uh, they, these beings showed up in force, most certainly. Uh, here's from uh, June 11th, 1881, between Melbourne and Sydney at sea in Australia. Uh, this happened. This was, uh, it says here, the two sons of the Prince of Wales, uh, one of them, I'll have to skip a couple pages here. Well, it says one of them, the future king of England, were, were cruising aboard La Bachant when an object resembling a fully lighted ship was seen, a phantom vessel all aglow. So they saw uh, some sort of a phantom vessel. Was it a hallucination or were they making it up? I mean, you decide. From 1885 in Scutari, Turkey, a luminous object circled the harbor. The altitude, five to six meters, uh, illuminated the whole town. Duration... Uh, one to two minutes as a uh, as a bluish green flame uh, had a bluish green flame out coming out of it. Then it plunged into the sea and made several circus circles above the ferry boat pier. Uh, so obviously townspeople saw something in Turkey. Uh, or are they all hallucinating? Did did they uh, misidentify something? Was somebody flying around in some other? Was there some human made craft flying around in 1885 in Turkey? I don't think so. Uh, from November 12, 1887, in Cape Race, uh, uh, in the Atlantic Ocean, a huge sphere of fire was observed rising out of the ocean by witnesses aboard the Siberian. It rose to an altitude of 16 meters, flew against the wind, and came close to the ship, then dashed off toward the southeast. Duration, five minutes. Were they all lying aboard the Siberian that saw that object come out of the sea and then go splashing back in? Were they all making it up just for, for, for giggles and kicks? Uh, here's from 1896. Uh, this is in the Swiss Alps near, uh, uh, in a Rolla near Zermatt. Author Alistair Crowley was walking in the mountains when he suddenly saw two little men. He made a gesture to them, but they did not seem to pay attention and disappeared among the rocks. Well, I, well we don't have all the information on this uh, encounter, but apparently we're... Uh, what's suggested here is that maybe these were two little men from some other planet. Uh, obviously, a lot of these beings that people encounter are little. Here's from, in 1897, things really picked up, as we all know. That was the, the great airship mystery from 1896 through 1897. A lot of people were seeing things in the sky at that point. Uh, here's from Sioux City, Iowa. Approx uh, the approximate date was March 26, 1897. Robert Hibbert was caught by an anchor dropped from an unknown flying machine 22 kilometers north of the town. He was dragged over uh, 10 meters and fell as his clothes were torn. March 28, 1897, in Omaha, Nebraska, the majority of the population observed an object arriving from the southeast. It looked like a huge light flew northwestward slowly, came to a low altitude. A crowd gathered at a street corner to watch it. Were they all just uh, hallucinating? Uh, were they on some psychotronic drugs, perhaps, at the time when this was going on? Or were they, did they really see something in 1897? They, it says a majority of the population in, in Omaha, Nebraska, saw this. Were they all just making it up, maybe? Maybe they all conspired to make up this story. Uh, here's from April 1st, 1897. In Everest, Kansas, the whole town 
saw an object fly un under the cloud ceiling. It came down slowly, then flew away very fast to the southeast. When directly over the town, it swept the ground with its powerful light. It was seen to rise up at a fantastic speed until barely discernible, then to come down again and sweep low over the witnesses. At one point, it remained stationary for five minutes at the edge of a low cloud, which it illuminated. All could clearly see the silhouette of the craft. So were all these townspeople victims of, of a mass hallucination, perhaps? Is that what was happening, or did they really see something? You have to wonder. Uh, April 12th, 1897, in Nilwood, Illinois, on the property of Z. Thacker, 19 kilometers north of Carlinville, an unknown object landed. Before the three witnesses could reach it, the craft, which was shaped like a cigar with a dome, rose slowly and left majestically toward the north. And the witnesses, they have the names of the three witnesses, Edward Teeples, William Street, and Franklin Metcalf. So this is from 1897, and that sounds like oh, the same kind of objects that were would get reported years later, shaped like a cigar, dome on top. Maybe they were all just making it up back then in 1897. They just, uh, these three guys, you know what, let's just say we saw a cigar-shaped object with a dome on top. We'll tell everybody about it. We'll get our names in the paper. They just made it up for, for fun. Is that maybe I'm sure that's what a, the bunker will tell you. Uh, April 12th, 1897, Gerard near Green Ridge, Illinois. A large crowd of miners saw an unknown object land three kilometers north of Green Ridge and four kilometers south of Gerard. The night operator of the Chicago and Alton Railroad, Paul McCramer, stated that he came sufficiently close to the craft to see a man emerge from it to repair the machinery. Traces were found over a large area. The object itself was elongated like a ship with a roof and a double canopy. It left toward the north. Okay, so now we have uh, several witnesses here uh, with this railroad company. They saw an object. Uh, were they all hallucinating uh, at the same time? Was it mass hysteria? Okay, here's from April 14, 1897. Gas City, Indiana. An object landed two kilometers south of Gas City on the property of John Rausch, terrifying the farmers and causing the horses and cattle to stampede. Six occupants of the ship came out and seemed to make some repairs. Before the crowd could approach the object, it rose rapidly and flew toward the east. Okay, were they all just making it up just, uh, about the six occupants and the craft? Uh, uh, maybe they st the cattle stampeded for some other reason. It's all it's all it was all in their heads, maybe. Uh, uh, for April fourteenth, eighteen ninety seven, Cleveland, Ohio, Joseph Singler, captain of the Sea Wing, was fishing with S. H. Davis of Detroit when they saw on the lake what they thought was a ship about thirteen millimeters uh, long with a canopy. A man about twenty five years old, wearing a hunting jacket and a cap, was fishing from the deck of the object near him were a woman and a 10-year-old child. Uh, when the, let me continue here, when the sea wing came close to the craft, a large colored balloon rose from the object, which flew up with it to an altitude of about 150 meters and circled like a hawk before flying away. So what were they seeing there? Uh, did they make this up? Did these people who saw this strange, what they thought was a, a boat at first, did they all, did it was all made up and then, know maybe i guess that's what they're you know the bunkers will tell you that it's all in people this is all in everyone's heads april 15th 1897 a lot of them from april 15th 1897 wow uh seems like that was a, 
a red letter day for UFOs. It says, Lynn Grove, Iowa, a large object was seen to fly slowly toward the north. It seemed ready to land, and five men, has the listings of the five men here, drove toward it. About seven kilometers north of Lynn Grove, they found the craft on the ground, came within 700 meters of it, but it spread its four giant wings and rose toward the north. Two strange figures aboard the craft made efforts to conceal themselves. Witnesses were surprised at the length of their hair. Most residents of Lynn Grove saw the craft in flight. Well, most residents, they obviously, if you were to listen to any debunker, they would tell you that all these people were crackpots and, and on drugs at the time. Obvious, it's obvious, isn't it? Uh, but anyway, uh, re realistically here, they're talking about the long hair of the uh, beings on the craft. Were, were these maybe uh, an early sighting of Nordics? Also, April 15, 1897, in Howard Artisan, South Dakota, a flying object coming closer and closer to the ground followed a train, as reported by the engineer. Obviously, that engineer must have been smoking dope uh, on the job. I mean, what the hell else could have been happening? He must have been making it up, right? He didn't see anything. Also from April 15th, 1897, in Perry Springs, Missouri, a pass another passenger, a passenger train on the Wabash Line going toward Quincy was followed by a low-flying object for 15 minutes between Perry Springs and Herzman. All the passengers saw the craft, which had a red and white light. After, Herz after Herzman, it flew ahead of the train and disappeared rapidly, although the train was then running at 65 kilometers per hour. Well, obviously, everybody on the train must have been exposed to some sort of uh, hallucinogenic gas because there's no way that, this, uh, according to the uh, officials and experts and skeptics out there, there's, there's no such thing as beings from other worlds uh, here uh, checking us out. So, obviously, that's what must be happening. That's what must have happened there. Also from April 15th, 1897, in Springfield, Illinois, two farm workers, Adolph Winkle and John Hull, saw a strange craft in a field. They had a discussion with its occupants, a woman and two men, and were told the ship had flown from Quincy to Springfield in 30 minutes and that the crew was making electrical repairs. Hmm, that one sounds fishy. Maybe that one is a, that one might have been a hoax, but who knows. Uh, April 16th, 1897, in Downs Township, Illinois, approximate date. I'm not really sure. Maybe, maybe it was April 15th. Uh, while working in his field, Hansi Savage saw an aerial craft land near him. Six people emerged from it and spoke to him for a few minutes before leaving again. Isn't it interesting? Some of this, the, 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 there was some cases happening in very close proximity. In, uh, I mean, in different parts of the country of the United States, but uh, within the same short time frame, with people seeing beings coming out of craft and talking to them and getting getting back on the craft and then flying away. I wonder if this was some sort of uh, uh, experiment uh, being conducted by the extraterrestrials themselves. Maybe these people uh, aren't weren't hoaxing it. Uh, here's another one from April 17, 1897, in, in Williamston, Michi Michigan. At least a dozen farmers saw an object maneuver in the sky for an hour before it landed. A strange man, near three meters tall, almost naked and suffering from the heat, was the pilot of the craft. His talk, while musical, seemed to be a repetition of bellowings. One farmer went near him and received a blow that broke his hip. So obviously these farmers, uh, they must have been snorting uh, manure at the time because that stuff doesn't isn't real. There's no such thing as creatures from other outer other worlds or little men and ships flying around, especially in the 1800s, because uh, we didn't we didn't have any even we didn't have airplanes yet, right? So uh, these guys are obviously all uh, probably uh, uh, you know cranked up on 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 cow manure at the time. 
Well, obviously. Also uh, from April, actually, this is April 19th, 1897. In Leroy, Kansas, Alexander Hamilton was awakened by a noise among the cattle and went out with his son and his tenant. They saw an elongated cigar-shaped object about 100 meters long with a transparent cabin underneath showing narrow reddish bands hovering 10 meters above the ground. They approached within 50 meters of it. It was illuminated and equipped with a searchlight. Inside it were six of the strangest beings the witnesses had seen, also described as hideous. They spoke a language no witness could understand. A cow was dragged away by the object with the help of a strong red cable. It was found butchered in a field the next day. Now, I'm sure I've talked about this case before. Obviously, one of the early reports of cattle mutilation, and obviously it was extraterrestrial beings, uh, unless these people were all making it up like the bunkers would have us believe. Uh, April 20th, 1897, in Holman, Arkansas, Captain James Hooten was hunting in the vicinity of Holman when he heard the noise of a steam engine and found an object in a clearing. It looked like a cylinder with pointed ends, lateral wheels, and horizontal blades over it. Hooten spoke with a man who wore dark glasses and walked behind the craft. There were three or four occupants. The witness was told that this was indeed the airship and that it was used and that it used compressed air for propulsion. Hooten saw the wheels spin as the craft rose and flew away. Now, either this person is making it up, uh, he was uh, maybe, maybe it's uh, some sort of a, a, a uh, maybe there was somebody flying around in an airship that landed and he was really talking to him, or maybe it was uh, the extraterrestrials pulling one of those tricks where they make you, you know, give you a screen memory and they think you, they make you think you saw something else when it was really uh, extraterrestrial. Here we go. April 22nd, 1897 in Rockland, Texas. John M. Barclay was intrigued when his dog barked furiously and a high-pitched noise was heard. He went out, saw a flying object circling five meters above the ground. Elongated with protrusions and blinding lights, it went dark when it landed. Barclay was met by a man who told him his purpose was peaceful and requested some common hardware items to repair the craft. He paid with a $10 bill and took off like a bullet out of a gun. Weird. I don't know what to say about that one. Weird. Uh, April 25th, 1897, in Merkel, Texas, people returning from church observed a heavy object being dragged along the ground by a rope attached to a flying craft. The rope got caught in a railroad track. The craft was too high for its structure to be visible, but protrusions and a light could be distinguished. After about 10 minutes, a man came down along the rope, cut the end free, and went back aboard the craft, which flew away toward the northeast. The man was small and dressed in a light blue uniform. Wow, that's another strange little story there. Uh, And there was several people that saw it. Uh, Were they lying? Uh, Maybe were they on drugs back then? I don't know if people even... We really knew about uh, marijuana or any other hallucination. I don't think LSD wasn't even invented yet. Uh, April 26, 1897, in uh, Aquilo, Tillsboro, Texas. Approximate, that was the approximate date. They're not exactly sure. Anyway, it says here, a lawyer was surprised to see a lighted object fly over. His horse was scared and nearly toppled the carriage. When the main light was turned off, a number of smaller lights became visible on the underside of the dark object which supported an elongated canopy. It went down toward a hill to the south, five kilometers from Aquila. 
When the witness was on his way back one hour later, he saw the object rising. It reached the altitude of the cloud ceiling and flew to the northeast at a fantastic speed with periodic flashes of light. Oh, that sounds like a classic extraterrestrial controlled craft to me. Uh, and plus it was you know, a lawyer's telling this story. I don't see why a lawyer would be uh, wanting to make up stuff like this. Uh, I mean, if, if you don't want to have your clientele to think you're a crackpot, right? Anyway, May 6th, 1897 in Hot Springs, Arkansas, two policemen, Sumter and McLennanor, were riding northwest of Hot Springs when they saw a bright light in the sky. About seven kilometers farther, they saw the light coming down to the ground. One kilometer further, the horses refused to walk. Two men were seen carrying lights. The lawmen took their rifles, called the strangers, and were told that they crossed the country with a flying craft. The silhouette of the machine, about 20 meters long, could be seen in the clearing. There was a woman with an umbrella nearby. It was raining, and the younger of the men was filling a large container with water. The elder man had a beard and suggested that the policemen fly with them to a place where it does not rain. The same witness went back to the same spot 40 minutes later and found nothing. Wow. Weird. Uh, another one here, October 28th, night, now we're in the, in, in the 1900s here, 1902, Gulf of Guinea, three persons aboard the Fort Salisbury, including 2nd Officer A.H. Raymer, saw a huge dark object bearing lights in the sea ahead. It was observed sinking slowly, estimated length 200 meters. You know, of course, you hear a lot of stories like this, even go, even before the 1800s, there's, there were some uh, reports by people at sea seeing objects come flying in and out of the water. Obviously, these beings are using that place as a, a to hide. That's what it seems like to me, anyway. Uh, here's from 1904, Ro- Rolling Prairie, Indiana. Tom Darby, with his brother and mother, saw two whitish blue objects about 400 meters away from a point situated three kilometers north of Rolling Prairie. The objects hovered two or three meters above the ground, flew toward a barn, came closer to each other, and were hidden from view by a hill. Well, obviously, uh, that sounds like your standard kind of UFO sighting back in uh, the early 1900s. Uh, and of course, uh, we really weren't flying anything around back then. You know, maybe some balloons. Uh, the Wright brothers were just getting started, right? I mean, we really <laughs> there wasn't a lot of things in the air. So what were these people seeing? Then we, we obviously nobody had any kind of things uh, as described here to fly around in at that time. Uh, then again, of course, maybe debunkers will say it was just their imaginations. They all had a, a, a group hallucination. Uh, here's from 1908, uh, coast of Delaware. The English ship Mohican, piloted by Captain Orgart was going to Philadelphia when it was surrounded by a thick, luminous cloud which magnetized everything on board. The compass was observed to swing wildly. When seamen tried to move some chains on the bridge, they found that they were glued to the metal floor. Suddenly, the cloud rose and was seen above the sea for some time. Obviously, these people were all on, on drugs at the time. Uh, either that or they, they just decided to, you know, hoax, hoax it, you know. June 30th, 1908. Uh, this is in... Uh, Tunguska in the USSR. This is the unexplained explosion in the where basically a nuclear blast went off. Nobody still. We really don't know really exactly what happened. Uh, uh, who knows? There's no answers to that one yet. Uh, May 18, 1909, in Wales, uh, Mr. Lethbridge was walking along a road near the mountains when he saw on the grass a large tube-like machine. Aboard were two men wearing furs and talking excitedly in a language that the witness could not understand. The grass was found depressed at the site after the object had flown off. 
Uh, obviously extraterrestrials, uh, but I'm sure the bunkers will say Mr. Lethbridge was uh, probably uh, drinking uh, Coca-Cola that had cocaine in it or something at the time. Uh, uh, June 16th, 1909, in Donghoi, Anam, an elongated object following a west-to-east trajectory flew over the town. It gave off a strong light and was seen by two fishermen to plunge into the sea six kilometers away from the coast after a steady flight of about nine minutes. Of course, we've heard multiple stories about this uh, going all the way back, oh, well over 100 years, objects going flying in and out of, out of the ocean. And here's another one, of course. And here's from January 1910 in New Zealand. Several witnesses, among them the vicar, the mayor, and a policeman, saw a cigar-shaped object hovering at 30 meters altitude. A man appeared at a lateral door and was heard shouting some words in an unknown language. The opening closed and the object accelerated and was lost to sight. Well, the vicar, the mayor, and the policeman, I mean, those guys, they must have just come out of the bar, right? I mean, made it all up then. Uh, here's from June 1914, Hamburg, Germany. Gustav Herwagen opened the door of his house and saw in a field a shining cigar-shaped object with illuminated windows. Near it were four or five dwarfs, 120 meters tall, or excuse me, 1.2 meters tall, clad in light clothing. He approached them, but they went aboard the object as soon as they appeared to be aware of his presence. A door closed and the craft took off silently, climbing vertically. Obviously, this uh, Gustav had seen witnessed uh, uh, an ex extraterrestrials and they had landed their craft near his house, and that's what he saw there. Um, uh, that's obvious. I mean, this, this I mean, we're talking 1914 here. This is long before uh, people were talking about flying saucers <laughs> uh, in the 40s. Anyway, here's from August 1914. In Georgian Bay, Canada, William Jake uh, Keel and seven other persons saw a spherical craft on the surface of the water. On its deck were two small men wearing green-purple clothes. They seemed to be busy with a hose, plunging it into the water. On the opposite side were three men dressed in light brown, wearing square masks down to their shoulders. Seeing the witnesses, they re-entered the craft except for one dwarf, wearing shoes with a curved, pointed tip, who remained outside while the craft rose three meters above the water and shot upward, leaving a short trail. So uh, there's one of those cases where a bunch of witnesses see an object with, with occupants uh, using a hose to get water out of a body of water, which we've heard these kind of stories before. Uh, obviously this was extraterrestrial, uh, you know, and before, of course I'm being facetious when I say that these people must be, some of these people must've been on drugs or, on, or hoaxing it, or I'm just being facetious. That's what debunkers would tell you. I'd say again, it gets, it's at the point now where all of these people that we're talking about, all these different cases, all of these people could not be lying, right? It's just, it's impossible. Uh, August 21st, 1915. I mean, let me just stop before I continue. It's, it, it's it, you know, even if if 10% of them were, if only 10% of these stories were true, then that that's, there we are. I mean, but at least 10%, there's more, most certainly more than 10% of these stories are, are, are things that really happened. Okay, this was from Gallipoli, Turkey. I, I, I did do a whole episode about this one before. This was during severe fighting in the Dan, uh, Dardanelles. A peculiar cloud engulfed a British regiment, which was never seen again. This was observed by 22 men of the 1st Field Company, New Zealand Army Corps, and stated in an affidavit. Yes, I did do a, a podcast on that one before. A uh, very interesting case. Uh, 
and uh, there are people who try to debunk it, but I don't think it's has it's I don't think it has been successfully debunked. Basically, there were a lot of these men disappeared into a cloud, and there were people who to attest to it. October 1917 in Youngstown, Pennsylvania, John Bowback, 17, was walking along the railroad tracks between Youngstown and Mount Braddock when he saw a saucer-shaped object with a platform and rows of lights uh, sitting in a field 30 meters to his left. He watched the object for one to two minutes until it took off with a high-pitched sound, rising gradually like a slow plane. Its size was that of an average car. The top of the object was a dome with elongated windows through which figures could be seen. Extraterrestrial, that's what it was. Uh, 1921 in Marseille, France. Undocumented report of an abduction by two beings. That's all it says. Uh, in Hubble, Nebraska, on February 22, 1922, Hubble, Nebra- uh, William C. Lamb was following strange tracks when he heard a high-pitched sound and saw a circular object intercepting starlight. It became brilliantly lighted and landed in a hollow. Soon afterward, a creature over 2.4 meters tall was seen flying from the direction where the object had landed. It left tracks in the snow, which Lamb followed without results. Extraterrestrial, that's what it was. Uh, September 9th, 1922, Barmouth, Wales. John Morris and William James saw an object fall into the ocean so slowly that it was thought to be a plane. A boat was sent out, but nothing was found. Uh, uh, I was, I'm going to throw it out there. I, I don't think that was a plane. Uh, <clears throat> June tw- uh, 12th, 1929, in Canada, uh, Louis Broscow, 20, was returning home when he saw a dark object with a yellow light and his horse became very nervous. Within six meters of the object, four or five dwarfish dwarfish figures were running back and forth. He heard their pointed childlike voices, then saw the dark object take off with a machine-like sound and a rush of air. Estimated size of the object, 15 uh, meter diameter, 5 meter high. So... Uh, this guy's obviously extraterrestrial. Again, dwarf-like creatures running around and talk, speaking in languages or making sounds that this guy never heard before. Extraterrestrial. July 1929, Robert uh, Robsart, Canada. Five persons, among them Enar Rostovold, saw a huge ball of light giving off fiery colors, 25 kilometers from Robsart. It landed slowly, vanished gradually after illuminating the whole countryside for 30 minutes. So it vanished, it landed, and then it just vanished gradually. That's like the one case uh, I, I was talking about recently where a craft land, a, a guy actually was saw a craft appear like out of nowhere right in front of him in a field. Uh, here's from the summer of 1933 in Chrisville, Pennsylvania. A man observed a faint violet light in a field between the... T- this town and Morristown. Walking to it, he found an ovoid object three meters in diameter and two meters thick with a circular opening similar to a vault door. Pushing it, he found the room full of violet light and observed many ist- instruments, no occupant, and the smell of ammonia. The smell of ammonia. That reminds me of the Virginia case, right? Didn't those beings smell like ammonia? Wow. And this case here is almost 100 years ago. Uh, anyway... The uh, fall 1938, uh, or the following year, it's not clear, on the Estonian coast in Juminda, two persons saw a strange frogman, one meter tall, with a round head, no neck, and a hump in front of the body. The mouth was a large, straight slit. The eyes were like smaller slits. Its skin was brown-green compared to pegamoid, uh, the hands normal, uh, 
The, the creature walked in a peculiar but elegant uh, fashion, the head waving up and down while the legs moved carefully. When pursued, the creature accelerated very fast with foot fluttering, with feet fluttering. About 100 meter away, meters away, it vanished completely. Yeah, these beings have the ability to disappear, don't they? I mean, they got technology that we we didn't we didn't we don't have yet. Uh, we don't have. Uh, not everybody has it anyway. Uh, I'm sure that there's some invisibility uh, technology that we're using behind the scenes, uh, but uh, we don't have. It's not like it's you, you could buy it for as a gift uh, Christmas present for somebody. Here's from September 1943 uh, in Argentina. Uh, Navarro Ocampo, driving between Rosario and Cordoba, saw a large saucer-shaped object on the ground 500 meters to the left of the road. It glowed with a bluish-green light, made a whistling sound, rose to 100 meters altitude, then left at fantastic speed. A strange metal block is said to have been found at the spot. Hmm. Sounds extraterrestrial to me. Um... Anyway, I'm sure, again, debunkers will tell you, well, you have no proof. Well, you have no proof. All these things, you have no proof. But this is the proof. The proof of all these people, all their experiences, it adds up. After a while, it becomes undeniable. But we do have evidence. There's landing trace cap cases. There's the cattle mutilations, right? There's the, 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 the objects that were uh, removed, the implants that have been removed and studied, and they some scientists have declared that they're unearthly in nature. So there, we do have all kinds of evidence, and there's all the film and video but anyway, continuing here, uh, this is the end of August 1944 in Mattoon, Illinois. A mysterious man appeared at windows as if in search of someone. He stunned witnesses by pointing at them a device that made consciousness dissolve and left a strange cloy, uh, cloying smell behind. Hmm, strange. 1945 in Germany, an American soldier saw a disc-shaped object come down rapidly, uh, oscillate, and land. The site could not be found in the dark. The event took place 35 kilometers of uh, northeast of uh, a town called Habeshopsheim. In March of 1945, in Belfast, Maine, a man out hunting observed an elongated object flying very slowly, tilted toward the earth. It crashed some into some trees at the end of a clearing the enormous craft seemed undamaged as it rested briefly on the ground then lifted again with a humming sound started to spin released a shower of fine silvery thread and rose straight up disappearing in seconds well that's an interesting case there we've heard cases before with this interesting strange kind of thread that's uh that is left by uh, behind by some craft sometimes in different cases it's like spider web and then it disappears after time uh Obviously, this is extraterrestrial. That's obvious, right? March 1945, the Aleutian Islands aboard the U.S. attack transport Delaroff, 14 sailors saw a dark sphere rise out of the ocean, follow a curved trajectory, and fly away after circling their ship. Extraterrestrial, no question about it. You have 14 witnesses. We don't. They're, they're, nobody had that kind of technology. We still don't have that kind of technology. Uh, and they certainly didn't have it back in the uh, uh, late 40s. Okay, here, June 10th, uh, 1947. Of course, this is when things really start picking up in the, uh, in the 40s, late 40s. In Douglas, Arizona, Coral Lorenzen, of course, who uh, later went on to uh, establish April with her husband, Jim, uh, uh, she saw a light rise from the ground in Mexican territory. It took a definite spherical shape and vanished in less than 10 seconds among the stars. So that's, oh, I guess, one of the reasons that the Lorenzans were interested in UFOs. 
June 21st, 1947, Maury Island near Tacoma. Of course, this is a famous case. Harold Dahl and others allegedly saw six tire-shaped objects, 30 meters in diameter, metallic with dark openings over Puget Sound. One of the objects exploded, showering the witnesses with, with metal. It's officially regarded as a hoax. Uh, I don't think it's ever really clearly been established. Of course, of course, some of the, I'm sure there's a sprinkling of some hoaxes in the, all these things I'm reading you. There's a sprinkling, I'm sure, of some hallucinations or, or misidentifications in there, right? But let me tell you, not all of them are. Okay, June 21st, of course, to Spokane, Washington. Eight disc-shaped objects the size of a house were seen flying at 1,000 kilometers per hour. A civilian woman stated that the objects fell with a dead leaf motion and landed before 10 witnesses on the shore of the San Jose St. Joe River in Idaho. Uh, okay, this is, of course, right around the same time as the uh, Kenneth Arnold sighting. Probably the same discs we're talking about here. Obviously, these things uh, that, that this woman saw and these other witnesses saw Obviously, they're extraterrestrial. There's no. That's what they are. I mean, why are we? Why, why? Let's not play play games or mince words here. It's obviously it's extraterrestrial. We're all not stupid. Uh, okay, June twenty seventh, nineteen forty seven, in Bisbee, Arizona, John A. Petsky, electrical worker, and another witness independently saw a disc shaped object which seemed to land near Tin Town. Uh, there's a whole bunch of them here like this in the, from 47. Uh, Grand Canyon uh, near Williams Field, Arizona. A Navy lieutenant was flying at 900 meters toward the south when he saw two circular objects diving at incons- unconceivable speed. They were gray, about three meters in diameter, and appeared to land 40 kilometers south of the Grand, Can- uh, Grand Canyon. Extraterrestrial, no question, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you have somebody here, a Navy lieutenant, telling you this. Uh, here's her f- July 8th, 1947. This is all around the Roswell uh, period here. Uh, Murrock Airfield in California. An Air Force major observed a metallic object reflecting sunlight oscillate, go down to ground level, and rise again. Simultaneously, it was observed by a captain in Rogers Dry Lake. So there you go. You got two people, uh, two, two uh, military personnel saying they see a flying saucer, obviously, in, in, and it's in 1947, the same week that their uh, military was scrambling to cover up what was going on in Roswell. People or other uh, military uh, personnel are, are witnessing UFOs out in California, among all, all other places, too. We don't even have all, 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 the, all the sightings and cases are not listed in this uh, index that, that's provided by Valet, but... There's a good chunk of them here. He has a, he has a lot. It was some good work that he did here. Anyway, July 23rd, 1947, near Patanga, Brazil, a group of survey workers ran away as they heard a hissing noise and saw a disc land 50 meters away. Jose C. Higgins saw two figures through a window, later three beings in shiny clothes and translucent suits with oversized bald heads, huge round eyes, no eyelashes or eyebrows, and a metal box on their back emerged from the craft. They were over two meters tall. They they drew the solar system they drew the solar system and pointed to Uranus as if to suggest that was their point of origin. Well, this sounds like your classic extraterrestrial uh gray kind of uh, description there. August 13th, 1947, Twin Falls, Smoke River Canyon in Idaho. Two boys and their father saw a sky blue object 100 meters away and 25 meters above the ground. Treetops under it were spinning wildly, although the object itself did not spin. It made a swishing sound. The shape, it looked like an inverted plate, 7 meters in diameter and 3.5 meters thick. There was a red flame 
on uh, this uh, side of uh, on the top side of the uh, on the on the top of it here looks like uh, and here's one from August 14th 1947 in Ravio Italy R.L. Johatmis saw a disc on the ground and two dwarfs less than one meter tall wearing dark blue coveralls with red collars and belts. They had oversized heads, greenish faces, huge salient dark eyes without eyelashes or eyebrows, but surrounded by a ring-like muscle. They wore something similar to crash helmets. The center of their belts projected a vapor and the witness suffocated, feeling a strong electrical discharge. The creatures had greenish hands with eight talon-like fingers well most certainly extraterrestrials actually literally little green men uh here's from uh another case from 1948 in canada mr galbraith twice saw an object land the first time it was a disc-shaped craft with a humanoid figure the second time chagar shaped with three figures Eh, sounds like extraterrestrial to me july 29th 1948 indianapolis an object swept over a road at 10 meter altitude Oh, that's all it has there. That was that really wasn't that one's not even worth it. Uh, Hamill, Minnesota. Two boys were playing outside. This is on August 11th, 1948. Two boys were playing outside when a round, dull, gray object, 70 uh, centimeters in diameter, 30 centimeters thick, landed near them like a balloon with a metallic noise. It spun, went up, hovered, maneuvered to avoid telephone lines and trees and flew away to the northeast. An FBI man from St. Paul found an area 70 uh, centimeters in diameter where the ground showed signs of extreme pressure. So, obviously, it sounds like extraterrestrial to me. I don't think the Russians were sending over any sort of secret probes over here at that time in 1947. Here's from August 29th, 1948 in Maplewood, Ohio. A farmer observed a silvery sphere of large dimension rise from a wooded area and hover above his farm, dropping a silvery substance that disintegrated before touching the ground. Just as I was talking about before, that silvery substance, we don't know what it is. Uh, February 1949 in Peru. Uh, C.A.V., an oil company employee, 30, was driving to Lima when he saw a shiny disc at ground level. He walked toward it for 10 minutes. Three figures came out as he was 20 meters away. They looked like mummies, had joined legs and one large foot. They slid along the ground. They were covered with a strange, towely skin. Asked the witness where they were, where they were, had a lengthy discussion with them, and took him for a trip in their craft. Boy, those 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 uh, beings sound similar to the Pascagoula creatures that uh, kidnapped uh, uh, Calvin Parker and Charles Hickson back in '73. Uh, here's one from France in February 17, 1949. Exact location unknown. Alan Berard saw a large bright object land near his farm with a green light lightning flash it became dark as he approached the craft the witness saw three figures with stocky short legs apparently without heads frightened he fired at them three times a moment later the object took off vertically that sounds extraterrestrial to me august 19 1949 death valley california two prospectors are said to have observed a disc-shaped object land two dwarves emerged but were lost in the sand dunes when pursued and then the object disappeared Obviously extraterrestrial, obviously. Uh, Fall of 1949, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Don Bushnell, plant superintendent with Southwestern Porcelain Steel Corporation, saw an object fall in front of his car as his radio was blocked. He applied the brakes and the object vanished. 
Uh, this guy was a plant superintendent. I guess I don't think he would make something like that up unless, you know, he didn't want people to think he was a crackpot. So obviously it was, must have, he must have really saw this and it must have been extraterrestrial. January 29th, 1950, South Table Mountain, Colorado. Mr. Quintana of Denver saw a silver green ovoid object hovering about 15 meters above a slope and landing slowly in a small ravine. Then it shot upward at a very high speed. Its diameter was about 20 meters and it had a revolving middle band. A greenish light flashed under it and the witness felt a rush of air and a pungent smell. I wonder if that pungent smell was ammonia. I wonder extraterrestrial anyway by the way that's what that sounded like to me march 18th 1950 lago argentina a rancher wilfredo h arevalo saw two objects one of which landed he walked within 150 meters of the aluminum looking craft which gave off a greenish blue vapor and an intense smell of burning benzene a large flat section on top was revolving above a glass cabin in which could be seen all four tall men dressed in something like cellophane working at various instruments. They saw him and shone a light in his direction while a blue light illuminated the craft. The vapor increased and flames, alternately reddish and greenish, shot out of the, the base while the object rose with a faint hum. Both craft flew away toward Chile, leaving bluish trails. Obviously... Uh, creatures from another world. April 1950, in Alaska, Juno, Mikkel Conrad made a movie of eight discs he saw landing and taking off uh, 60 kilometers north of Juno. Uh, where's that film at? I want to see it. I don't think I've ever seen that one. April 8, 1950, Co Kokomo, Indiana, a metal worker was awakened by his dog and observed an object 16 meters away at low altitude. It was a gray metal disc, five meters in diameter, shaped like a top with a kind of turret, it was oscillating, spinning slowly, and had three portholes shining with a blue-white light. It hovered for about two minutes, left toward the north very fast. Sounds extraterrestrial to me, that one does. Uh, April 8, 1950, River Road near Amarillo, Texas. David 12 and Charles 9 Lightfoots. I, I did talk about this case before, I believe, in a podcast. Uh, the Light, Lightfoot brothers, saw a disc land behind a hill and touched it. It was the size of a car tire about 30 centimeters high with a rounded top that rotated and a pivot between the base and the top. It took off very fast. The, face, the faces and the arms of the boys later became ready. I think that that was extraterrestrial. I know there's other people out there with other ideas, but I think that one was extraterrestrial. Uh, here's one from April 20th, 1950, Lufkin, Texas. Jack Robertson was driving about 13 kilometers west of town when he saw a round object about 13 meters in diameter hovering about 7 meters above him with a dull red glow. It took off with a swooshing roar as sparks flew from a slot under it. Minutes later... Uh, the witness felt a burning sensation on his face. Obviously, yes, that's what happens sometimes when you come in close uh, proximity to extraterrestrial craft. April 24th, 1950. Uh, this was in Italy. Bruno Faccini heard and saw sparks coming from a dark hovering object near which a man dressed in tight-fitting clothes and wearing a helmet seemed to be making repairs. Three other men were seen near the craft. When the work was finished, a trap through which light had been shining was closed and the thing took off. The witness had the time to note many details of the machine and its occupants. Yes, uh, Bruno Fercini, I believe, encountered extraterrestrials. 
May 7, 1950, in Eli, Nevada, a couple and their grandson were returning from a picnic when, about 14 kilometers south of Eli, they saw a silvery, silvery white object at treetop level. It hovered for 10 minutes, then oscillated as if attempting to rise and suddenly flew out of sight at high speed. Most certainly extraterrestrial, that's what it sounds like to me. Uh, and you see, as as they're, they're piling up now, you keep going through them. I'm, you know, and this is like some, well, this is what Preston Dennett does, like on a on a weekly basis. He presents all these cases, and you realize, my God, look at all these cases. And he and he, he's someone who also points out a lot the fact that a lot, how many people do not even ever report any of this stuff. So how many unreported cases of extraterrestrial and UFO encounters uh, are there out there floating around that we'll never know about? I'm sure many, many more than we have, more than, than than has been reported. This is common, folks. This is all the time. It's every day. As Richard Dolan points out, this is something that's happening every day. People are seeing UFOs and or running into humanoids or whatever on a daily basis. It's still ongoing today. Anyway, continuing here, July 2nd, 1950, steep. Rock Lake in Canada, in a story strangely similar to that of Mr. Keel, a man and his wife saw a double saucer with portholes and a rotating antenna come to rest on the surface of the lake. Ten figures, 1.2 meters tall, dressed in shiny clothing, emerged and walked on deck like robots, changing directions without turning their bodies. Their faces could not be seen. One of them wore a red cap, had darker arms and legs, and seemed to be their chief. They immersed a hose in the lake, then took off. Fishermen later reported a green moss forming on the lake. Of course, here we go again. Another another similar instance where these things are throwing some sort of hose in the lake. Obviously, what these this couple saw, obviously, was extra, extraterrestrial. They weren't lying. Okay, July 20th, 1950, Porto Novo, Brazil. Mr. Campello and several others in a car saw two huge silvery objects by the side of the road, one on a hill, uh, hilltop, the other on flat ground about 50 meters away from each other. They came within 600 meters of the object, which went away at an incredible speed, causing a rush of air that rocked the car. Uh, extraterrestrial, that's what that was, If you're, in case you were wondering. Uh, June 19th, 1951, Sonderborg, Denmark. Joseph Matazuski, a mechanic, heard a whistling sound and saw an object land in a, me- land in a meadow. Approaching within 50 meters, he found himself paralyzed and observed that birds had stopped singing and cows seemed to be similarly unable to move. From the object emerged four handsome men who had brown skin and wore black shiny suits and translucent helmets. Eight objects also emerged from the craft and hovered above it. Other men inside the craft and on its deck appeared to be making repairs. Then the objects flew to about 100 meters altitude and climbed rapidly out of sight. Only then did the paralysis subside. We've heard many stories about like this where people get paralyzed when they, be, you know, when they come close to uh, alien beings. Obviously, this is an extraterrestrial encounter, no question about it. Uh, uh, and I, I know there'll be some people out there, debunkers, who will say, well, there's absolutely no proof to the proof. Again, all of this to combine, that this is the proof. This is the evidence. September 1951, Central Australia, a group of uh, Aborigines observed a shiny circular object land near a similar craft about 12 meters in diameter. Several minutes later, a dwarf dressed in a shiny suit and having a round shiny head came out of one craft and entered the other. Both took off with a buzzing sound. 
Yeah, I noticed these buzzing sounds are listed a lot. It always reminds me of the buzzing sound I heard back in 1977 when there was an alien creature in my bedroom when I was a kid. Uh, October 26, 1951, Australia. The driver of a transcontinental train on the east-west line saw an object that illuminated the countryside like the full moon. It flew very fast, came close to the train, appeared ready to land in the desert, then took off and disappeared. Obviously, that's extraterrestrial. And obviously, this person, the, the driver of the transcontinental train, just didn't decide, hey, I, I think I'm going to make up a story about seeing something like this. Okay, November 2nd, 1951, Mojave, California. Two forest observers were in a canyon 50 kilometers north of the Mojave when they saw a disc-shaped flying object in the southwest. It, and uh, it's, uh, maybe, it, it estimated diameter three, minute, three meters thick, blue, green, well-defined, surrounded with a glow of the same color. Stopping their Jeep, they signaled to the object, which approached within a few meters, flew away, seemed to play with them, eventually it vanished like a magician's trick. Yeah, they, these beings have the ability to make themselves look like they're, um, they possess magic when it's just advanced technology to us dumbbells down here. You know, we're dumb, we are dumbbells compared to these beings here that are visiting us because they, they could fly circles around any of our craft that we have. They could knock us out, conk us out, put make us lose time, not even realize it. I mean, look at all the stuff that they, they have the ability to do to us. We are completely helpless. Anyway, December 1951, Peru, Nebraska. A man from Lincoln was driving to Indiana when he saw a blue light in the northwest sky. It vanished to the southeast. The witness missed a turn, had to go back toward Auburn, and had reached a point northwest of Peru when he saw an orange glow in the sky. Coming near, he observed the glow came from a cauldron-shaped object on the ground, about 12 meters above from the road. Uh, it stopped to, he, he stopped to examine the object, which measured about 10 meters diameter and seemed to be made of cast iron. 30 centimeters from the top was a row of windows, 25 centimeters in diameter, from which the orange light was coming. On the other side was a blue flame-like glow. There was no noise, no sign of life or activity, and no antenna or protrusion. The witness just drove away then. I think I would have hung out. I think I would have, you know, found a hiding spot and just, you know cracked open some popcorn and just waited to see what was about going to happen. That's just me, though. Okay, December 1951, Red Springs, North Carolina. Sam Coley and his two children saw an object with a human-looking occupant. Okay, so you had a guy and his two kids see uh, an object uh, that was being piloted by someone that looked like a human. Uh, I don't think it was a human, though. Okay, January 1952 in Weston, Wyoming, a 38-year-old a 38-year-old rancher saw a shooting star that suddenly stopped in midair between him and a mountain. It was seen spinning in a clockwise direction. It had one red window periodically facing the observer. It went down toward the Little Powder River and came up again. The witness turned his car to send light signals to which the object seemed to respond by stopping its red window facing the witness's location. The spinning resumed. The object rose and came down. A similar craft arrived and both went into the deep valley out of sight. That guy was playing with fire. I mean, he's flashing uh, lights at these objects. I remember, remember what happened to the uh, Allagash 4 where they started uh, sending uh, SOS signals up at the flying saucer they saw in the middle of the night. Next thing you know, they were uh, abducted and and forced to, uh, to get examined by these insect-like look, looking beings. And they lost a whole bunch of time, too. Uh, here's from... Uh, 
1950 tour in Goose Lake, Labrador, a fiery spherical object made a right-angle right turn during an observation by a C-4 crew, uh, a C-54 crew flying from Westover to Goose Bay. It was also seen from the ground by the control tower and by two men who plunged to earth when the object made a low pass at them. It went away, at, and then it went away. So that was uh, some more uh, people, uh, what, what we would call, what some people would call, uh, you know, expert witnesses. Okay, uh, moving on. Summer of 1952 in Brazil, a woman was awakened by a thunderclap and a strong, a strong bluish light. As she got out, she saw a large number of hovering disc-shaped machines resembling inverted soup plates 200 meters away at an altitude of about one meter. She observed them for 30 minutes, saw two figures standing on one of the craft and looking at the sky. They went back inside and shortly thereafter, the fleet took off one object at a time extraterrestrial that's what it sounds like to me you know many cases like that uh summer of 1952 martin county texas mrs rogers saw an object descend slowly and pass across a pasture at seven meters altitude she stopped her car and observed it was wobbling in midair was shaped like a turtle and showed three oar-like protrusions that moved slowly uh, the estimated dimensions was five by four meters one meter thick it was greenish gray in color emitted a blue flame but showed no other light Obviously, this thing was extraterrestrial. This woman experienced uh, uh, close-up. Uh, she had a close encounter uh, with an extraterrestrial craft, obviously. And from June 15, 1952, in uh, Madgeville, France, men at work in the forest saw large circular objects similar to parachutes coming down. There was a half a dozen witnesses to this. Uh, they weren't parachutes. They were obviously extraterrestrial because... Uh, the early 50s in France was, was uh, things really start picking up there, especially by 1954. Uh, here's one from Hasselbeck, Germany. Oscar Linke, former Wehrmacht major, and his daughter Gabriel, 11, had to leave their motorcycle when they had a flat tire. Inside the woods, the girl noticed two men in silvery suits examining the ground in a clearing near a pink disc-shaped object, 8 millimeter in diameter, showing a double row of openings round a rim and a black turret on top. When one of the men had a flashing box, both men went inside and the disc vibrated, rose along the turret-like cylinder, then spun faster and rose out of sight. You know, speaking of these black boxes, it seems like some of these extraterrestrials, we hear this every now and then. There's like a black box. One of them's holding a black box. There was discussion that uh, one of the things discovered in the Roswell wreckage was a black box, and nobody knows what, what, whatever happened to that or what, they, what the government learned uh, about it. Uh, here's one from July 20th, 1952 in Morocco. Uh, R. Pettigen saw a luminous disc object 20 meters in diameter on the ground. It gave off bluish flashes as it took off, leaving a smell of burning sulfur. From Vico, Italy in uh, July of 1952, a man who was fishing in the Sergio River saw a disc hovering for 10 minutes. From it hung a hose that plunged into the water. The object was 20 meters in diameter and five propellers in the rear and a dome with something like blades on top. An orange glow could be seen through the slits along the deck. A man wearing a diving helmet looked at the witness through a window and he received a kind of electric shock as a gray ray hit him. He looked up with difficulty in time to see the object fly away toward the cast, toward the east. Six days later, a stranger with a foreign accent contacted the witness and intimidated him obviously an early man in, uh, men in black case but again a hose coming down what are they doing with the water uh, 
are they taking on water because they need water to survive or are they uh, doing testing on the water what are they what are they doing in, in over these bodies of water with uh, with hoses uh, inquiring minds want to know here's from july 29th 1952 in oklahoma sydney eubank went to the uh, Emmid police station and told Sergeant Vern Belnell that an enormous disc had buzzed his car as he drove between Bison and Waconis on Highway 81. The rush of air inside the car uh, left the road while the object flew very, very fast. Made the wait. The rush of air made the car leave the road while the object flew away, flew west very fast. Um, August 19, 1952, West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, Rosie Desvergers saw a large round dark object above him in a clearing. It had a turret on top. Red balls of light were emitted by the object and burned him. He also observed the hideous creature aboard the craft. Grass roots were scorched at the site. August 24th, 1952, in Frontenac, Kansas, a man driving through a wood encountered a strange object and stopped to observe it. He, it looked like two turtle shells glued together about 25 meters long with a humanoid creature in what appeared to be a control cabin in front. Windows lighted by an intense blue light and a throbbing sound were also reported. The object was oscillating and suddenly flew straight up with a strong humming noise. The middle section supported what looked like propellers. The object hovered three meters above the ground. I mean, look, we're going case after case after case. Some of them have a lot of similarities. Some of them have a little, uh, their own little uh, uh, aspects that make them a little bit more special than, than, but again, it's all the same thing. You know, oscillating machines, they look like turtles. How many times pe people are describing the same kinds of objects around the same periods of time here? Uh, it's extraterrestrial. It's always been. It's always been that. August 27th, 1952, Lamberton, North Carolina, a saucer-shaped craft uh, landed on the witness's property after hitting a chimney. A little man about 70 centimeters tall emerged and, and was asked whether he was hurt, but he did not answer. The craft took off with a whistling sound. Wow. I mean, you can't make some of this stuff up, actually. It's just, I mean, who would do it? I mean, if you're going to make something up, you're not going to make this up. You're not going to say, so, oh, yeah, someone crashed in the chimney. There was, I saw this little guy come out of it. He, I, I asked him if he was okay. And he didn't answer me. And he just, then the, he got, he went away. He went in the craft and it took off. Here's a case from August 31st, 1952 in Pennsylvania. Uh, Herbert Long saw an object land 15 meters away from the road. He made a drawing of it. Well, that's not too exciting. Of course, the Flatwoods, uh, West Virginia group, uh, this was the, uh, this was a famous case. A group of young people saw a meteor land on top of a hill and went to the site with Kathleen Hill and three and three men. They observed a globe as large as a house making a throbbing or hissing sound and a huge figure with glowing orange eyes nearby. About four meters tall, the figure had a red face and floated toward the witnesses who fled in terror. A lingering smell and skid marks were found. Uh, this was that famous Flatwoods monster case that I've, I know I've talked about this before in different podcasts. Uh, debunkers will tell you that they just saw an owl. All these people made a mistake. What they really saw was an owl. Uh, I think that they saw extraterrestrial creatures. I think that's a, that's what they saw. And I don't think the debunkers know what they're talking about. Uh, September 13th, 1952, Frametown, West Virginia. Mr. and Mrs. George Snutowski and their little... Girls suddenly found their car, car stalled and an unpleasant smell, either mixed with sulfurous smoke, filled the air. 
Mr. Snitowski thought a chemical plant might be burning in the area and walked toward a strong light visible in the woods in spite of the nauseous smell. Coming near it, he felt pricklings throughout his body, had to stop, lost his balance several times, and he returned to where he found his wife terrified, pointing to a giant creature, three meters tall, human-shaped, ten meters away. They locked the car as it inspected the vehicle, glided away, and went into the woods. Soon afterward, the sphere of light was observed to rise gradually, uh, and it also, it's, then it swung like a pendulum and it left a luminous trail. So these, this husband and wife uh, cup, they saw this weird, <laughs> they had it smelled, smelled a weird, terrible, nauseating smell. And then this creature came up to their car and then they got out of there quick. Uh, October 15, 1950 in France, La, Vig- La Vigan, France, approximate date is uh, October 15th. Figures with helmets and masks were seen through lighted windows inside a bright, yellow cigar-shaped object on the ground. The length 30 meters in diameter, 6 meters forward section was rounded and a sort of fog was noted at both ends of the object. October 27th, 1952 in France, customs, this was at uh, at an airport, customs officer uh, Gabriel Gachinard observed a cigar-shaped object land briefly on the airfield 100 meters away, producing a dull sound. The object was dark with four lighted windows. It took off with a swish and a shower of sparks when the witness ran toward it. November 1952, Dublin, Ireland. A child was burned when a strange disc uh, 25 centimeters in diameter, landed near Dublin. November 18th, 1952. In, uh, this was in France. Uh, Nello Ferrari, 41, a farmer, found himself flooded with a reddish light and saw a large plate 10 meters above him between gold and copper in color. At the center of the bottom surface, 20 meters in diameter, was a cylinder of 5 meters, diameter made of rapidly rotating parts, producing a noise similar to that of an electric motor. On the upper surface was a turret inside which three occupants were visible, looking directly at the witness. They looked perfectly human, wore rubber coveralls and transparent face masks. They spoke a few words which were not understood. A loud metallic noise was heard, and the top part of the object lowered itself toward the lower plate. The sound gained intensity and the craft flew vertically at a very high speed. Obviously, these are extraterrestrials, although they did look human, like human beings. November 21st, 1952, uh, in France. At a place called La Boutique, a luminous sphere which seemed to spin, its color changing from orange to white, was seen at low altitude. It oscillated left and right, then took off toward the south west according to the witness january 29th 1953 in south carolina hearing a commotion in his barn a farmer observed an object about seven meters long and four meters wide at treetop level it was light gray in color and lit up inside it resembled a half egg the witness fired his gun at the object numerous livestock died mysteriously in the area after the sighting well obviously uh this thing was uh extraterrestrial no question about it uh, probably there for to mutilate his livestock. Uh, we, 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 we really didn't really hear about that. Even though it was happening in the 1800s, uh, there was at least one, one, one or two cases from back then that we, that have been reported. But this case here, uh, again, again, until 1967, until the lady incident in Colorado in 1967, uh, where a horse was mutilated severely. That's when people started realizing that these beings were actually responsible for this. A lot of people started re- uh, understanding that. It is a fact. Um, 
But again, look at all of these cases piled up. I mean, one after the other after the other. I, so we've only gotten to uh, up to what 1953 here. Uh, and that's, uh, we're going to take a break. Actually, I'm going to have to split this one up into two parts because there's so many cases. Uh, I, I guess I'll do one more here. Uh, this was from May 20th, 1953, Brush Creek, California. Two miners, John Black, 48, and John Van Allen, reported that an object, silver, silvery, 2.5 meters in diameter, 2 meters thick, with a tripod landing gear, landed on a sandbar 50 meters away from them. An occupant described as a broad-shouldered dwarf wearing clothing that covered the head and the trunk was also seen. His arms and legs were covered with tweed-like cloth fastened at the wrists and ankles. He filled a shiny pail with water and handed it to someone inside the craft. He then appeared to notice uh, black and jumped into the craft which made a hissing sound and departed. So there you go. Another case. Obviously, these were extraterrestrials that these miners saw. Why? How, you, I just can't imagine two miners making this kind of a story up. It's not something that people would make up. Of course, I can't. It's hard. It would be hard for me to believe that every single case that I've been talked about so far here is absolutely positively real. But most certainly a high percentage, percentage of these reports are real. For certain, and obviously it, it paints the picture, it tells the story, it, it, it serves as evidence, it serves as, as evidence, you just can't deny when you have all of these reports piled on top of each other, it becomes impossible to deny this reality, and yet we still have uh, this, this cover-up ongoing in, in Washington, uh, it just drives you crazy. Anyway, uh, I'm going to break this up into two parts because there's just so many different cases and I'll probably do another uh, episode talking about these cases uh, uh, next week at some point. But I just wanted to do this to give you an example of just how ridiculous it is to imagine that uh, all these people could possibly be lying or making it up or hallucinating all these cases that no it's not it's, that's impossible and i know it's impossible because i had my own uh, personal cases and i know that there's something going on based on my own personal experiences but i want to say thank you all for joining me until next time <laughs>